following presentation was recorded live by the Jewish Ethics Institute. It's racking my brains to find a connection to the project, so I couldn't find any business connection in this star portion. But we haven't done it already, at least. So I figured we'll, since in honor of our mothers, should invite them out. Next time. Next time. Um, discuss the concept of, uh, of, of Kibbut Avayim, which is honoring your parents, specifically related to um, maybe the monetary aspects of it. We'll try to get to. Um, okay, so in this, of course, in this day and age, there was there's uh, people are living longer, which is arguable a good thing. Some would argue maybe not, right? Um, but it's well, a lot of longer than what though? Because didn't they live longer? In the beginning of the Torah, like uh, Noah, the generations they were older in age, and we lived to what eighty. They took them longer to get old, meaning they didn't get older until they. No, it's meaning that if even though they might have lived longer, let's say in the beginning of the world, but they weren't older till much later. Yeah, people are living longer and still getting older. I'm trying to older, uh, not chronologically. Uh, I mean, I mean, I'm waiting for an interpretation. They get older when they're older. The bodies are different. No, what I'm saying is they didn't the aging process. They might have gotten older chronologically, but not necessarily aged. As God. the bodies are as different. Aging. There's, there's some say that uh, that illness, aging, didn't take place till after Abraham. There's a membership. Well, that's why we live for 900 years. That's something else. That, that's what comes by sneezing. Yeah. That's why we say gesund. So every culture has a. You're right. Has a, when you sneeze, you bust. Every single culture in the world. Because so the measure says it used to be you die when, when you sneeze. Okay. okay, anyway, so uh, so the, the point is in. in People are, are um, there's a lot more contemporary questions, I guess, because people are living much longer, and therefore um, life is being prolonged, I wouldn't say indefinitely, but for a long time. Um, so a lot of issues that haven't necessarily come up in the past um, are, are being addressed, I would say, in the last you know 30 years or so. Um, look, for example, the concept of just even what we have today, the concept of uh, nursing homes and senior living, assisted living, I don't think existed, surely not in the times of the Talmud, that even concept. My grandmother, my great-grandmother lived with them, mm -hmm. does she not? Yeah. I mean, so it's not been that long. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the concept of, of putting people in nursing homes is a relatively new concept, but we'll, we'll see. The, the, it's all in here, even though it's seemingly new, the Torah does discuss many of these issues. Um, the issue of, first, of course, dealing with people with dementia, older people, things like that. Um, but what's interesting is when I always, in a certain sense, people always say, do you celebrate Mother's Day? So I always say, in Judaism, just a nice rabbi's long name, saying, every day is Mother's Day. So there's no, because uh, the Torah, as we know, has a commandment, um, which is here, honor your father and your mother. Right, so so technically there's no specific day of the year that's any more or less in the concept of of uh, honoring your parents. Um, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't celebrate mothers. It doesn't negate the fact that if there's a day that you can make your parents specifically more happy, take them out to eat, invite them for dinner, whatever the case is, that's a good thing too. Um, but 
you have to bear in mind that again the, the obligation is all years 365 days a year as we're going to talk about so so it's interesting there's there's uh, as we know honoring your parents is one of the ten commandments um, and there's a lot of discussion because if you ever looked at the commandments you have like we have a picture on the front um, I always say this is a myth actually the commandments according to most opinions were actually not rounded on the top they were squared so this this the standard picture we have of the Ten Commandments is a myth, and there are different opinions it's as to actually. Park, right? you know, it has to do with the tablets no, being. I'm saying they were square, not like that. Right, but we have it that way. I don't know why we have it. Okay. Michelangelo, when he made the picture, the statue of Moses made it that way. I think that's the source. It's like the menorah is a triangle versus a U. Yeah, that's a different issue. It has nothing to do with this. Okay. Stay on top of Rabbi. Okay, yes, let's keep on down. So the, the, the bottom line is that there's a lot of discussion because the commandments, the way, according to most opinions, were five and five, the two tablets. Um, some say it actually is on both sides, but let's assume the standard tablets that you have in your synagogue are five and five. So the first five ta commandments seem to deal with the laws of man and God, okay, which is like idolatry, observing Shabbat, um, not swearing falsely in the name of God. Those are all issues related to man and God, not related to man and man. The next five, such as coveting, uh, adultery, uh, murder, kidnapping, those are all related to, those are issues between man and man. Um, so the, so the, the commandment of honoring your parents seems to be on the wrong side of the commandments. It seems to be on the side of God. It's, in the, it's the fifth commandment. Okay, so it's on the side of God, man and God. So there's a lot of discussion in the commentaries what the purpose of honoring your parents is, this commandment. Is it for the sake of your parents? For what we call hakaratato, which means you've got to be thankful. Your parents brought you up. They need to you. They, they uh, diapered you. They woke you up in the middle of the night. They burped you, whatever else they did for you. They paid your tuition through college, through graduate school, and... Uh, so, so that's all the reasons that you have to have the concept of being thankful to your parents. So that would be between man and man. But there is a discussion of, many of the commentaries say, the fact that it's located on the first side of the commandments is really, really might be an issue um, of man and God. Um, in the sense of God is saying, oh, obeying your parents or honoring your parents is as if you honor me. In the sense of they, we were all, your parents were a partner in creation, so to speak. We wouldn't exist without them. So it's not necessarily a matter of being thankful to them. It's it's a matter of, so to speak, honoring God. That's how some view it. So there's a lot of debate, and, and there's practical differences, as we'll see, um, um, as we'll talk about. So, so uh, Ramban says here, and this is number two here on the sheet, Ramban discusses, Nachmanides discusses this, and how... Um, we're commanded to honor our parents who are partners in creation and leaves the last five to the betterment of man. So he's, uh, there's, that's the Nachmanides discussion. Um, now it's good to know that honoring your parents, as we know there are two, actually two commandments in the Torah. One is to honor your parents, the other one is literally it says Yirab, which means fear, but it doesn't mean that. It means to be in reverence of them. Okay, and, and there's a lot of discussion what honor is. Honor doesn't mean um, honor could mean also one is standing up to them, but also means serving them. You, um, when they ask for something, you give it to them, give them you feed them, clothe them, it says you, you serve them, you take them to the airport. 
whatever when they need to run. So did you take them to the airport? That's one of the key elements of being a good So child. arguing with them to get a taxi is... Uh, yes. <laughs> well, we'll talk about that in You a too? I'm in the airport, take a cab, come on! That's, that's the point. So that's honoring your parents. It's a key element, as we'll talk about. Um, escorting them, actually. It talks about escorting them. Talmud says part of honoring them is to escort them. They're going somewhere to escort them. Um, then there's a the concept of fear, which means reverence. That means standing up for them when they walk in the room. Um, reverence in the sense of uh, when the Torah used the term fear, I always say this. It doesn't mean fear as in trembling. It means fear as in Elvis walking into the room. Okay? Which means, uh, you know, reverence. You're, you're going to be... Elvis walks in the room, you're going to be not fearful, but... Um, Elvis walks in the room, I think, right now, we'd be a little more than fearful, but I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> um, reverence is the point. Can I ask so, an off-the-base no. kind of thing? Is it relevant to the topic? It's relevant, relevant, absolutely. Yeah, okay. What about somebody who is either convert or adopted? Oh, we get Back at page. Okay, so... Um, so some exceptions. So the point is that people mistake. It doesn't mean and it's good to know as parents and as children. A parents doesn't mean that they have to control our lives. Meaning there are exceptions to the rule. First of all, the concept is only they can only ask you to do something if it's a benefit to them. Most authorities say if they're asking you just to do something which has no benefit to them, um, then they have you don't have to listen to them. You know, there's no. There's the, the purpose of listening to them is when there's a goal for their for them, either in their honor, for their honor, for their benefit, how you please. Um, um so uh, so for example, the few exceptions I put down here, one is marriage. If you this comes up a lot, especially with parents, let's say you don't like uh, the guy your daughter's dating. Okay. So you have no say. Those, your child doesn't have to listen to you just because they don't like who you're marrying or they want you to marry a certain type of guy. And if it's relevant, if it's something, you know, the guy's dangerous or something like that, something else. But just because the guy is not, uh, they want you to marry a child attorney and, and you're going out with uh, some guy who who's, uh, works at Walmart, that, that you don't have to listen to your parents. Okay, that's one exception that they talk about. Again, because it's not something that affects their life. I'm impressed if you're down to um, another thing it talks about is Aliyah, which is, let's say, a child wants to move to Israel, and the parents don't want to move, so your parent has no say in that. Although, we'll see, living close to your parents is something that could be, in essence, part of the mitzvah. Um, it's not ob- obligatory, but as far as, uh, obviously, you can fulfill the mitzvah much better when you live close to, to your parents. So moving somewhere where you're not going to have the opportunity to fill it, Again, it's not prohibited, but it, it, obviously you're not going to fulfill the mitzvah on the same level. The other thing is Torah study. You're allowed to, um, if they say they want you to go into this institution now and you feel you'll study better in this place, so then again, you're not obligated to listen to your parents. Those are three exceptions that are noted. But again, in general, it's any time there's no benefit to the parent, they can't object to it. Okay, if there's something they're asking to do which is a beneficial to them, then then you have, then technically you're supposed to listen to them. If it's not beneficial to them, no benefit to them, then they might not have a right to ask you. Okay? So, a few issues before we get to the financial issues. One is, 
today, unfortunately, um, as, as we know, many people, older people, end up um, with dementia at an old elder when they get older. And the question is, as a child, how do you deal with that? Because if they're asking you to do things, and they get upset, but some of these things are just, like, you know, they keep on asking you the same thing many times. Whatever the case is where their mind, they're not of sane mind, so how do you deal with that? Um, not only that, as we're going to see, there are certain times things, let's say, to Sue was saying, part of the mitzvah is to service your parents. Let's say servicing them um, sometimes can be a dishonor. So, for example, an older uh, parent needs to be diapered or they need to be bathed, which it's not comfortable. You as a child, you know, cleaning them or taking them to the bathroom. So how does that work in cases like that? Okay, which is very, happens, unfortunately, often today. I'm sure it's happened the best, so they talk about that. So the first thing is there's a Gemara, a fascinating Gemara, um, in Kedushin. So the Talmud says like this, it says, if Asi had an aged mother, she said to him, first she told him, I want nice jewelry. So he went and he got her nice jewelry. He says, then she said, get, she wants to get married. Get me a husband, find me a husband older woman. Okay, this happens and uh, this would be funny, entertaining Gemara if it didn't uh, happen as often that I've, I've heard about it. So then she says, uh, I want a husband. Uh, so he says, okay, I'll go find one. And she says, no, I want a husband who's as handsome as you. Um, he rose, it says, and he left her and went to the land of Israel. He just moved out of town. Okay, this is, <laughs> he couldn't take it anymore. So this is actually a basis. The Rambam, my man, quotes this Talmud as a basis, as certain situations when your parents can't deal with your parents, which happens, okay, in whichever which way, um, it could be even, and this is a question I've been posed to, we'll talk about in the back, abusive parents, um, what do you do if you're living, you know, you say, just exempt from the mitzvah, so, so as we'll see, it's not so simple, even if you have abusive parents, it doesn't mean you're exempt from the mitzvah, obviously if you can't deal with them, this is the solution here, which we see here, the Talmud talks about, Amanity's quotes, which is to go somewhere else. Go leave town, so this way you're not violating the mitzvah, but you're not, um, you're not in violation, because you're just living somewhere else. So you're not dealing with it. So one solution is, live somewhere else, and then you don't have to deal with it. Um, but again, without violation of the mitzvah. You parent away? So you can't force someone to move yeah. somewhere. What do you do, put them on a bus? Greyhound ticket, one way? force someone to move. I'm not... They, they, they do. They, if they're going to be okay. Not only that, it says specifically. No, explicitly it says. It says no. Not only that, in cases where let's say this comes up, and I've seen it discussed, cases where you want to send them to assisted living somewhere, a different city where they're from, or you're living somewhere, so you make the move. It says you can't. That's you can't do that if they don't want to move. Even in that case, let's say you're saying, I'll pay for assisted living in my town. They live in Cleveland and. You know, if you come to Houston, we'll put you in a system living. And by the way, not easy. Right. Yeah. When you deal with older folks, the last thing in the world they want is to be moved somewhere. That's true. Yeah, especially they're not familiar with their surroundings. They don't have their friends. They don't have their environment. Yeah. It's, it's, it's tough. Well, huh? They're never friends with dead. Doesn't matter. <laughs> I know. I mean, I know. We did it. I, 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 I can't get them out of their house. <laughs> well, it, That's it's not easy. So, so the point is, you taking someone away from their environment, yeah. from their home, is is a is not a good thing. Listen, obviously, if it's between two evils, so meaning if someone is, uh, you know, obviously no one, there's no one to take care of them in Cleveland, so you can only you have to take care of them here. In certain cases, you have to force them. Um, you're not obligated, as we'll see, to move there, as we'll discuss, either. So, so you don't necessarily have to move there, 
So then obviously it's probably better to force them to prepare, but you have to know, you have to be careful because it could affect them it's hard in a serious way. It's long-term care uh, insurance guy sponsor this <laughs> Talk about it. <laughs> I'm just saying, that'd be a good one. Okay, so now, now what about, so that's number one. So see now parents, so he just moved out of town. Humanities in quote B here in four says like this, says if a parent has become mentally deranged, you should have, behave towards them in the way they wish. Okay, so it says there's no, again, you're not exempt just because they have um, senility or whatever the case is, dementia, doesn't exempt you from the mitzvah. Um, as a matter of fact, the Gemara brings a story. I don't, did I bring it here? Talmud brings a story of, of uh, Kisma ben Dama, who was a guy, Dama ben, ben Asina, sorry, who uh, it says he was this big rabbi in, in Babylonia, and it says he was giving a sermon in the, you know, to, to hundreds of people. His mother walked in, it says he was wearing gold garments, the chief rabbi, whatever the case was, and his mother walks in the middle of the speech, rips his clothing and says, spits in his face and starts screaming at him in front of everyone and uh, says that he didn't, he, he didn't react. Talmud says, obviously it's an extreme case, but the point is, you see, you know, it's meaning just because someone is mentally deranged doesn't exempt you from the mitzvah. Um, obviously you have to figure out how to deal with it. That's what Manly says here. He says you have to do what they wish, even if they're asking for crazy things, until heaven has mercy, he says. If it becomes an impossibility, so obviously when it reaches a point where it's impossible to service them, so it's because of their state of mind, you may leave the parent and command others to properly care for them. So at that point, it says you can hire someone. This is one of the sources, Maimani. Again, this is written uh, over 650 years ago. Maimani's wrote this. So you see this concept of hiring someone to care for your parent. So he says in a case like that, at that point, you can hire someone, which means put them in a nursing home. And I don't know if they had that in those days, but similar concept, hire a nurse or live in. So, so that's fine if at the point it becomes an impossibility for you to care for them. But up until that point, you're not exempt. And the question is, even at that point you're not exempt, you still have to find someone to, to care for them. You can't just leave them, abandon them. Okay? So, so it's a very serious mitzvah in that sense. Um, I, so I found a response and written by Tzitz Eliezer, who was a, he died around 10 years ago, big rabbi in Israel, big medical ethicist. And he writes about, uh, he discusses a case where a woman had to be, a child had to put the, put the mother in a, tr- a straitjacket every day. Um, so the mother was deranged, so what should he do? So he says in a case like that, since by honoring them, he's servicing them, by helping them, it's a, it's a dishonor, so to speak. So he says you, in that case, case like that, you should hire someone. You know, it's better for you not to do it as a child. Because even though, again, of course, you're helping them, it's for their benefit. But in a case where it's so extreme, where you're going to have to physically restrain them, so it's better a child shouldn't do it. It should be done by a higher son to do that. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, I don't know uh, if this is like exactly strictly on the topic, but what happens when you have an older relative who's childless, mm-hmm. but they're like an aunt or someone like that? What are your obligations? So again, we're going to talk about that. The, the, the obligation here is specifically to a, someone, to a parent. This specific obligation, the Torah says, honor your father and your mother, and the obligation to care for them is specifically a, a uh, father and mother. And I know that. It asked about adoptive parents. It says even an adoptive child, technically, according to most, has no, this obligation doesn't apply to as far as uh, what we call, we mentioned before, as far as being thankful to them, listen, they raised you, 
So of course you have to be thankful and you have to do whatever you can, but it doesn't go necessarily under the guidelines, same strict guidelines as caring for a parent, a, a uh, what's the word look for, a, gen a genetic parent, a literal genetic parent. Of course, elders, there is another mitzvah in general, caring, you have to respect the elders, and things like that. But as far as this specific obligation, which is honoring and reverence, like we're saying, standing up in the walk, caring for them, escorting them, um, feeding them, that's specific, specifically to parents. Um, and even, like we're saying, genetic parents. The Torah says, of course, you should help all people. It becomes, as we see, but, it's, but it, I don't know if there's more of an obligation to an aunt than anyone else. In general, charity, as we'll talk about charity, there's a hierarchy, and we discussed it here in the past. So your family, if you're going to provide for someone, your family comes before anyone else. So, of course, your parents come first, as we'll see soon. Well, actually, we'll skip, we can skip down to right, right now. If you look at number six, which is very relevant, meaning who, who pays? The question is the financial issue relevant to Kibbut Aveim, to honoring one's parents. Is who, who do you have to actually pay? Um, let's say, like we're saying, they, wanna, um, they need medical care. So am I obligated as a child to provide for them, to pay them? Their insurance doesn't cover this, so I have to pay for it. So, so it's interesting. The Talmud brings two opinions on this. The ruling is, Maimonides here, which I quoted in number six, is, he says, what is kavod? Feeding, dressing, and covering one's parents from their money. Maimonides clearly rules that you don't, ha you don't have to lay out money to fulfill this mitzvah. The mitzvah is you have to serve them with your body. You have to do what they need. But you don't have to lay out money. If there's an expense incurred in the action, so it comes from their money, assuming they have the funds. So if they have the funds to pay for it, so let's say whatever, it's a nursing home with assisted living, or it's, like we said, any medical procedure, or whatever it is, even driving them to the airport. So if, driving them, if you're going to drive to the airport, technically you can send them a bill for the gas, is what, we're, what my man is saying. So you have to drive them. If they ask you to drive them, you have to drive them, but you can charge them for the gas, and tolls. Okay, and wear and tear on the corner. <laughs> Don't push it. But the point is, is so that's what my man is saying here. He says, very clearly, from their money. If one's parents have no money, so this is where, to answer your question, he says, if they have no money, whereas the child has money, but the child has assets, and the parent doesn't have assets, the child is forced to support his father and money according to his abilities. So what they talk about here is this, it, it then turns into the regular law, law of charity. Meaning you're exempt, the mitzvah of honoring one's parents, as we're saying, serving them, giving them, uh, and escorting them, all these laws, is a mitzvah that you do with your body. You're not obligated to lay out money to perform that mitzvah. Okay? But, it's no, at the, that point, let's say they need, uh, they need a medical procedure, and insurance doesn't cover it, so it's no different than now it becomes, and you have the money to pay for it, so now it becomes charity. It's not, it's no longer under the obligation of of under your parents and now becomes a, just like any tzedakah you need to help them they're no different than anyone else and in the hierarchy of charity your parents are number one meaning if I should, should I give money to the juvenile diabetes association or my parent or help my parents get a, uh, a medical procedure done of course that comes first that's priority and you rob number one uh, and then no. parents charity is parents first Family is before. Family first. Family, even before your rabbi, yes. Yeah. The rabbi is before your ex-wife, but. but uh, <laughs> oh, spouse is that's one. That's, that's one unit. Spouse is not. That's you. But um, point is so 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 so. Getting back to your question, 
So here what the Ram, my, my man is saying very clearly is you have no monetary obligations, but as far as charity is concerned, you do. Okay, so therefore if, if someone in your family, if your parent needs something done, which is going to cost money, and they don't have the means to pay for it, and you do, so then as far as the laws of charity, you should do it. Now, so the same thing would apply to any other family member. If you have an aunt who needs, uh, who needs help, so then you're obligated to do it. But as far as the other laws of reverence, standing up for them, they walk in the room, that's, they don't have, they don't fall under this heading of honoring your parents. Um, again, if they're like adopted parents, we're saying, my man, does say you should treat them as parents, even though technically you're, you're not obligated. Um, he says just because they raised you. Okay, that's what I put on the back here. Talmud says, whoever raises the child of a friend, it's as if he has given birth to them. So even though technically they're not your genetic parent, but we view it in a certain sense as a parent. Um, and you say Kaddish for them, you can say Shiva for them. You can, you're not obligated. Um, so that's where it comes in. What about a convert? We'll get to it. I don't know. Um, but my point is, so, so does, let me answer your question about another family member technically doesn't fit under the setting of honoring your parents because they're not your genetic parent. But as far as charity goes, just like a parent can't provide for themselves, as far as charity goes, you're obligated. What's interesting, as a parent, they argue what happens in a case where, the, where you're providing for the parent. Are you fulfilling the mitzvah of Kibbut Avem there, or are you only fulfilling charity? So let's say my parent, uh, you know, my father needs a medical procedure. Um, he can't afford it, so I pay for it. So which mitzvah am I fulfilling? Am I fulfilling the mitzvah of giving tzedakah? We're saying because technically it's not, you're not obligated under the, under, the, under the heading of honoring your parents. Or am I also fulfilling honoring my parents? So what would you say, Scott? You have a question? Meaning they, I'm, technically I'm exempt. Once I have to pay out of my own pocket, I mean, I'm, I'm exempt as far as the mitzvah of kibbutz Aveh. Um, now I have, it becomes charity. So if I could afford it, they can't. So I have a mitzvah of charity. Of tzedakah, like any other person, they have pri- happen to have priority because they're my parents. But now, did I fulfill the mitzvah of honoring my parent or not? So he brings here. Well, certainly you did, right? <coughs> certainly you would have. What do you mean I would have? No, but the question is which mitzvah did I fulfill? Yeah, There's 630 mitzvahs. Did I fulfill only charity or did I also fulfill honoring my parents? Oh. Well, why are they exclusive? Why can't they might not be right. separate. Right. Why Five so, yes, maybe it is. You're That's the question. You're right. I'm not saying they're mutually exclusive. I'm not saying they're mutually exclusive. The question is, which uh, did you fulfill both or only one? That's the question. So he brings here a, a, a response from Ricky Vager. Um, where in case case like this, a man died. Who le- he left instructions in his will for the son to do something that required an expenditure of the son's funds. Okay. Now the same man's mother also died and left instructions in her will contradicting those of the father okay so we have two wills two contradictory wills the mother and the father um, so so the question is so on the surface so 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 for example this is um, that sounds a little sexist but when a couple's married so let's say your father asks you to do one thing discusses, and your mother asks you to do something else which you can't do both so your father takes precedence that's what the Shachanach says father takes precedence over your mother's request um, meaning that comes first let's say they both ask you for a cup of tea so you bring your the tea to the to your father first okay um, but let's say they're divorced okay now you still have to honor your father and your mother but they're now divorced so which one now there's no the, the reason meaning again because the reason why 
again, it sounds a little sexist, but this is what it says in Halacha, that the reason why your father comes first is because your mother also, as part of a marriage, is the wife serves the husband. So therefore, when they're married, so your father takes precedence. But when they're divorced, there's no such obligation. Now, technically, they're both equal. Because when you're, they both ask you to do something. Um, so the halacha says, therefore, in the, if in the case where they're divorced, you can choose whoever you want. Okay, it's your choice. You want to honor your mother first. There's no halachic preference in that situation. So, so what he says here, um, so, so now the question is, since the, the son is going to have to incur an expense here, father left his will to do it. Son's going to have to incur an expense, so maybe now it's no longer under honor, the obligation to honor your father. Okay, because we're saying once you have to pay money, technically you're exempt. So now he says, um, since the father didn't provide the funds, so just a charitable question, which is even, it's also a little strange, is there charity after he's dead? I mean, providing for him. His mother's request, on the other hand, did not require an expenditure. So she is under the rubric for sure of, of honoring her mother. She's asking, she left a will, say, because by the way, as we'll talk about, keep it, uh, honoring your parents is even after their death. There's a mitzvah, meaning if, let's say, you talk about how great they are after the, uh, even after their death, that's considered honor. Saying Kaddish for sure is, is considered honor. So even after their death, you still, you're not supposed to call them by their first name. There's the things that, all the applications of when they're alive still apply, even after death. You can still fulfill a mitzvah, obviously. It's much harder to fulfill it after they're dead. But the point is, so here, they're both died. Again, the case of, uh, that he discusses here, Rabbi Eger, is they're both dead, they're both left conflicting wills. So he's saying the father's will requires an expenditure. That might not be, that might just have a, that might not, that might be exempt from the laws of Kibbutz The mother's will, since it doesn't acquire expenditure in this case, so she overrides. He says you have to do her will first because she is Kibbutz that's honoring your parents. He might, since there's an expenditure for the father, might not be under the heading. Of, so that's where there would be a practical difference to this. It's an interesting case. Okay. Um, the end he says he rejects this argument he says that the um, he says very clearly like like you saying he says at the end the Torah says I'm not obligated to spend money for the mitzvah for, for honoring your parents but if I do choose it's my prerogative if I choose to spend the money of course I'm fulfilling the mitzvah I'm honoring your parents so it's my prerogative in that case so he says so really it's all even if you're spending money, he says, like David, it's all—it's not mutually exclusive. You, you're fulfilling charity and honoring your parent. Okay, okay. Now, um, so so just so it's interesting. So people don't know this. So it's good to know. Like we're saying, technically, you can bill your parents if you—if they have the money, you can charge them for if there was expenditure. And one important, very important thing is that and we discussed this in other contexts here in the past. That in halacha. Um, loss of potential income is not considered money, not considered a monetary loss. Okay, so that means if your parent says, um, I need to go to the airport at, you know, one o'clock in the afternoon, and you're going to have to take a day off from work, and you're going to lose income, so that doesn't exempt you. The exemption is you don't have to lay out money if they have the, the means. A loss of work is not money, that's loss of income. Okay, so halachically, you're still obligated to do it. So if they say they need, they need to go to the airport, smack in the middle of the afternoon, and you have a meeting, which is a major deal that you're going to lose, tough luck. I mean, you can try to talk about it, but, uh, but that doesn't exempt you. So again, no, it's only loss of actual, um, I don't know what the word is, real funds, 
as opposed to potential income. Okay, so just missing work doesn't exempt you from the mitzvah. That's a very important caveat. Now, what's interesting is there's a famous story, the Briscoe Rebbe, Chaim Salvation. So a son came to him, uh, a boy came to him, and he asked him this question. He said, my parents are having this medical procedure. They asked me to come home. Um, he said, my dad's in the hospital. He asked me to visit him. It's going to cost me a lot of money to get there, you know, to get to take the train to Warsaw, whatever the case was, from Lithuania, and, and you know, technically I'm exempt. So he said, yes, you are technically you're exempt from laying out money. But he says, you can walk. He said, doesn't he? He says, you're taking the train for your convenience. You know, so okay, so it might be a week walk, but uh, a week to, for you to get there. It doesn't mean it doesn't exempt you from being there. You have an exemption to be. You have a you have a, a, a obligation. Parents ask you to be there with them, so you have an obligation to be there. You don't want to lay up money, so so take a greyhound. You know, the president says it's too expensive to go. You know, my mother's in the hospital. We're in New York, flip tickets five hundred bucks. I don't want to take a greyhound for forty bucks, right? So it's the exemption is laying out the money. If you're doing something for your convenience, right, in this case, he's taking the train for his convenience. So he said, that doesn't make you exempt from being there. You, you, you don't want to take the train, so walk. So that's important to know, meaning the, the exemption, you have to be careful how you apply. If you're doing something for your convenience, that doesn't exempt you. Okay? Is that, that's not necessarily a convenience. So if you're that far away, is it truly a convenience? So I, I don't know if it was taken the literal sense. The point is, you know, so he was making the point. To, so don't use the exemption so liberally. Right. That's the that was the point he was making. You know, right. you, you know, you want to walk if you really want to be there. So you could be. Don't use an excuse that you don't want right. to have the money. What about going back to before? Adopted parents are not in the same class as parents. What if you're adopted and you find your your birth parents? Since you know that yes, they're you responsible. So you have a hundred percent obligation to them. Even though you have to say cash for them, you have to sit for them. Do you have to search them out? No, no. I mean, I, but no. if they need caring for you, you need to care for them, though. Or does it go? Yes, technically, the Torah's mit, the mitzvah is for genetic, your genetic parents. Even if they were in your life. Yeah, yes. so that's irrelevant. As we'll talk about soon, even if they were abusive, we'll talk about that. Well, yeah. A lot of discussion. What do you do in that case? So we'll talk. We'll get there. Okay. So, so another some interesting, other interesting points is one is let's say your your parent commands you to do something. Which is a Torah violation. They say, "Come to me," and this happens. I get this. Is a rabbi let? Right on Shabbos, right? I want you to drive on Shabbos. So come to them for. We're having a birthday party for mom on uh, Yom Kippur. Okay. So what do you do? So, so the, the Gemara says very clearly. Gemara brings many examples of. Actually, talks about a coin who asks his son. There was a, a wallet in the cemetery. As we know, coin can't go to the cemetery. So it says the coin father asks his son to get the wallet for the cemetery. Says you don't have to listen. In the case where they're asking you to violate the Torah, you don't have to listen because just as the, you're commanded to listen to your parents, they're commanded to listen to God. So therefore, God overrides the obligation to honor your parents. So for example, and I've had this, my, my father was a heavy smoker, so I put this down here as an example. If your dad asks you keep staying healthy is a biblical obligation. Okay, today, according to most opinions, smoking cigarettes would be uh, it's dangerous. Right after the Surgeon General's report, we know it's dangerous, therefore it's prohibited to smoke. So if your father asks you to go buy cigarettes for him, technically you don't have to buy. It's happened to me many times. I used to send me to get cigarettes for him. Um, so, so you don't have to listen to him. You can say no. Okay, same thing would be, let's say, the, they're on a strict cholesterol diet, they're diabetic, and they ask you to pass them, to ask them for you know, some nice piece of cake. So you don't have to give, you don't have to listen in that case because they're they're asking you to do something for them is a sin. 
that can quote unquote. Okay, whatever the case is, a diet or a diet. So that's an important thing. Is if they're asking you to do something which goes against their doctor's wishes, so that's that's sinful, technically. Whatever the sin is, so you don't have to do it. Okay. Um, my mother, my mother's an assisted living, and they have, uh, they have like this place. Uh, she's diabetic. They have ice cream parties like every day. <laughs> so I told the nurse, kid. So my mother was very upset at me. Why you tell her not to give me my ice cream? I said that you can have the sugar-free ice cream. Said, no, I want the real. So you know, you need to know when. Uh, you gotta say no. Sometimes it's not honoring your parents. Okay, so that's a very that's another important um, aspect. Um, by the way, it's learned that it's actually learned from a verse in the Torah. The Torah says, when it talks about the, the verse talking about fear or reverence of your parents, in the very same verse, it says, Every man shall fear his father and mother, I put it here in quote number five, and my Sabbath you shall observe. Okay? So it says, the, 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 they talk about what's the juxtaposition, why does it put it in the same verse? So that's what it's coming to tell you, this law, that you're obligated to honor your parents, but you're also obligated to observe my Sabbath. So they're telling you to violate Shabbos, you know, listen to them. Uh, that's, the, that's what the verse is coming to tell Okay, very interesting. Um, so, by the way, even now, let's say your parents, like we're saying, is abusive or they're, they're sinners. Let's say they, uh, whatever it is, your father's an uh, adulterer and he's a philanderer, you know, whatever, he's a philanderer. Do I still have to honor them? Let's say he's in jail, you know, for murdering someone, okay? So, so what's interesting is that Shokhan says here, um, Number eight, it says a mamzer, so it means, that means you were born because your father or your mother um, was an adulterer. Okay, so, and that, that, by the way, that affects your whole life. Jewish law, you can't only marry, so you're limited to who you can marry if you're the offspring of such a marriage. Right, so it says a mamzer must honor his father and fear him, even if his father is evil and a sinner. Must never, nevertheless honor and fear him. So that's what the, the Shulchanach seems to say. But if you turn the page, Ramah says, others say that he's not obligated to honor his father unless he repents. So if they did something wrong, he's saying this is how we rule, for Ashkenazim at least, you obligate to honor them, but only if they have remorse. If they ask for forgiveness or they, they repented for what they did wrong. If they didn't repent, um, sorry, <laughs> you need to know you're um, If they didn't repent, so then you're not obligated to honor them according to, to the Ramah. Okay, so this is very relevant to for abusive parents. So this question has uh, been asked this question a few times. What happens if your parents were abusive? And uh, of course today, depending on how you define abusive, but the, even real situations of abuse, what the what I've seen is discussed is technically it doesn't exempt you. Because what we're saying is, and, and what we said before, is there's two reasons for for honoring your parents. One is, is the basic reason is hakaratatov. You're thankful for all they've done for you. So what, even in the, for that reason, it says that even at the least what they've done for you is they brought you into this world. So even if they gave you, you had a terrible life and they, were, they treated you terribly and they didn't pay your tuition, whatever the case was, that doesn't necessarily exempt you from being thankful for the fact that you wouldn't exist in this world if not for them. Okay, so at the, at the most basic level, obviously again, if there's going to the friction in the relationship, it doesn't mean you have to live near them and you know, serve them every day. You should move away or live a different part of town where you won't get to see them. Um, and you don't have to deal with them. But that doesn't mean you can curse them out and, and berate them and do things which are problematic in, in the relationship. Okay, um, the source they bring for this is a few sources. One is 
as we see Abraham and his father, as we know Abraham's father was a major sinner, it says that in the Parsha Lech Lecha, when Abraham left to go to the land of Canaan, the Gemara points out he didn't leave right away. He waited many years because he waited till his father died. So even though his father, as we know, was an idolater and, uh, and he destroyed all his father's idols, that whole story, we still see he, he didn't leave till much later till his father died. Um, another example they bring is Lavan, the father of Rachel. Rachel also, as we know, she had a bad relationship there. You know, he was an idolater. She tried to destroy his idols. Similar, and it says also she was punished for destroying his idols. Rachel died, it says on the way, because she destroyed his idols. And the other, the other classic example they talk about is the whole nation of that was that left Egypt, a whole uh, generation in the desert. As we know, that whole generation died out um, in the desert. They didn't make it into Israel. But, and that was where, where the Torah was given, the commandment was given to that generation to honor their parents, who were all sinners, who didn't, who were all, right? So you see the concept of, just because your parents, you know, caused you to wander 40 years in the desert, doesn't mean you don't have an obligation to honor them. That whole generation, that's where the mitzvah, the original mitzvah was given to them. So a lot of, a lot of interesting um, applications to that, and people have a problem with it, obviously in cases where their parents were abusive to them, or they felt like their parents, they, they don't have a good relationship. So what I always tell them is this, Rambam is telling them, just moves, moves, you don't have to deal with them. Don't, you know, if you don't want them to see your kids, you don't want them to so send them pictures. You, they complain every time, they, you know, they call you come over to the house, how you how you raising your kids, or whatever the case is, which happens often, so then live somewhere else and send them emails with your kids' pictures. You know, do, do put yourself in a situation where you're not going to have that relationship with them, you don't have to deal with the relationship. But again, it doesn't give you the right to, to scream at them and to, to treat them harshly. Okay? Um, it's more or less uh, getting just to answer your question. So, as, so um, as far as converts is concerned, so even though normally it says when, you, when someone converts, it's as if they're, so to speak, uh, what's it called, like Christians call it, newborn... Uh, We, what's the born word? Again. Born again, right. Okay. So Judaism also believes in that concept. When someone converts to Judaism, they're born again, so to speak. But um, it says explicitly, Ramam says explicitly, that you still have an obligation to honor your parents, your birth parents. Just not, he says, even though technically... Is the question your Jewish mother no. becomes a born-again Christian? No, no, no. no. The country. Let's say a non-Jew becomes a Jew. So do you, have to, do you have to honor your original parents? So the Marmani says yes, even though technically we don't consider them halachically your parents anymore. It's as if you're born again and you have, you know, they're not your they're gen, your genetic family. But he says, of course you can't have a step down. You're becoming Jewish. You're going to say, oh, look, I'm not going to honor my parents. That's ridiculous. He says you have to, of course, be thankful to them and continue to honor them um, in any which way. Um, and as a by the way, there's also a lot of discussion which I didn't get into, get into which is it shouldn't be. Like as an obligation to honor your parents, you're supposed to do it because you really, you really. Uh, I mean, it's it's interesting. I always tell people it doesn't say love your parents. There's no obligation to love your parents. You have to honor them. You have to treat them with respect. You have to listen to what they say. But there's no obligation to love them. If you don't love them, you can't force someone to love someone. But part of it is being in reverence of your parents. If you, um, part of it is putting yourself in that mindset where you view everything they do as a good, etc. So there is a concept to try to build that relationship, but if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. There's nothing you can do about it. It's tough. It's one of the toughest mitzvahs uh, out there. I my, my father had a saying. My father's saying is, one mother can raise nine children. 
nine children. However, nine children can't support one mother. This is true. This is true. It's a tough mitzvah. <laughs> yeah, Probably, you didn't uh, get to what happens in the what happens when you have four children who disagree about the right, treatment. Right. Right. Well, that's right. Disagree, disagree about but the how to treat the, the, the parent. Yes. What's the right course of action to take? That's what. <laughs> Uh, all of our that friends are talking right. about, which is various, si- you know various sibling. Yes. And you know what's incredible? I have not only a mother, but I'm an only child. I have an aunt who's childless. And everybody who does nothing has something to say right. about what's <laughs> being done. Right. Thank you.